This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson. This week, the many kinds of grief and why we can't put it on the back burner. Conservation and biodiversity loss and climate change can really no longer be separated from the field of public health and thinking about the health and well-being of all the people on the planet. Grieving for more than the obvious when Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Reed Pence, the producer and host of Radio Health Journal. If you like listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. There's things like candy shoots where you can, you know, send the candy down to the end of the driveway. What are your Halloween plans this year? Then we have some people who come in and plan when they're 30. And we have some people who come in and plan when they're 55 and thinking about retirement. And then I have some ladies who come in at 85 and say, we think we ought to start thinking about it. Understanding a process that we all one day will face. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Radio Health Journal and Viewpoints on your favorite radio station. And subscribe and listen anytime on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Radio Health Journal. Just about everyone seems to be having a difficult time coping with the mental stress of COVID-19. Add in political chaos, wildfires, hurricanes. No wonder the proportion of Americans who have diagnosable depression is up to 28%, a rate that's tripled since the pandemic began, according to a study in the journal JAMA Network Open. Another 25% of us have milder depression symptoms, but we've had little support as we try to roll with the punches. The mental health aspect of it has gotten lost in our need to find a cure, to treat and find a cure. Missouri McPhee is clinical chaplain and resident thanatologist at Orlando Health, Health Central Hospital in Ocoee, Florida. Most of us are restricted. We are limited in what we can do. Our lives have changed and not for the better. People are used to, this is America, people are used to having certain freedoms and Part of trying to control the virus is we have to be limited. We have to wear masks. We have to maintain physical distance. We have to wash hands frequently. There are places that are closed that we would frequent, places of solace. And particularly when a loved one is in the hospital, in some facilities you can't even go in to visit whether they're COVID positive or not. McPhee says what many of us are dealing with is actually grief but we may not recognize it. We're attuned to thinking of grief mostly in terms of death, but it can hit us when we lose anything that's really important to us. Grief is not just the physical loss of a loved one. Grief is the loss of a job. Many people are now unemployed. Grief is the loss of a status. With the loss of employment comes the loss of income. With the loss of income comes the loss of a certain way of life. And so to relegate grief to just being about people dying, I think that would be the understatement of the century there. The general public does not typically see those things as a loss. If you lose a job, go get another one. If you get a divorce, go find another spouse or another partner or just make it on your own until you can. 
it's always like those things can be quote unquote overcome. Not that those are losses that we have to work through. We don't have rituals for grieving the loss of a job or a home, but today we may not be able to grieve much of anything, even the events that we usually do. For instance, many churches still aren't doing funerals. That means that support is not there either. I don't get the casserole dishes. I don't get the hugs. I don't get the baby. It's going to be okay, maybe on the phone, maybe through a text message, but it's not the same. And then that tends to leave people isolated. McPhee sees unresolved grief piling up on a national scale. Millions of people are suffering multiple losses right now, and each one seems to feed the next. You've lost a job, then you've lost a family member or close friend to the virus. If you've now lost your home because you have lost your job, and you have small children, and now, you know, they've lost their sense of stability. So again, if we don't deal with it, you can see how it keeps piling up and snowballing into one big effect. And I think for some people, the reason we've not seen or perhaps heard a lot about people breaking down or having mental breakdowns is because some of us can ill afford the luxury of grieving. Some of us consider it a luxury because when things happen, we feel that we have to keep going. Okay, I've lost my job. I have to look for another one. Okay, I don't have a home. I have to look for somewhere else for me and my family to stay. The vicious cycle and the bad news that this year keeps throwing at us may lead to a national sense of hopelessness. McPhee says even people who haven't lost their jobs and haven't gone hungry may be stressed by the fear that they'll be next. They may fear that they'll get sick, and they don't know who to trust. All these things lead people to say, oh my gosh, you know, what's going to happen to me? Because I'm just this little small fish in this big pond. Does anyone here even know what I'm going through? And then, of course, again, with the loss of a job, there is loss of health care. Now, what happens if I get COVID-19? How am I going to get treated? What happens if someone in my family, my immediate family, comes down with it? How am I going to afford that? They feel hopeless and helpless and that no one is hearing them and nothing is being done. I mean, you know, there's supposed to be a second stimulus package and that has not come. And it seems like everyone who is in a position to help is tone deaf. How this will all play out is anyone's guess. As McPhee says, the national mental health crash hasn't happened yet, but the reckoning will come sooner or later. If you do not deal with your grief, your grief will deal with you in the worst way. Not dealing with grief brings its own set of complications. You start, some of us will act out. Some people will have complicated grief or multi-layered grief. If you don't deal with a grief when it happens or a loss when it happens, if you don't grieve that loss, and then there are uh, subsequent losses in your life, you're just now compounding the problem of your grief. And some of these things you may never get to. Then we develop uh, behavioral issues or personality issues that we can't pinpoint. Why are we behaving this way? And it's because we never dealt with our grief to begin with. If you don't resolve it, it's going to always try to say, hey, here am I. Deal with me. You ready to deal with me? You walk out the door in the morning. You think you've left. 
you're lost behind. When you come back home, it's right there waiting on you. You get in the car, it's in the passenger seat. It never leaves you. So how do we grieve when there's no ritual for it? McPhee suggests reaching out for help. Contact the local hospitals, contact the uh, state uh, health departments, contact the CDC. There are mental health resources out there whereby there are qualified people who can walk them through it. And sometimes we have to make our own rituals. We have to make meaning out of our losses. People are dealing with the stress any way they can. That could be one reason that holiday displays have already gone up in some stores. Retailers know we need something to look forward to. People are looking for meaning and trying to get back to some semblance of normalcy. I think many of the general population feels that the quicker we can get back to normal, the quicker we can snap out of depression. Doing things that we used to do, Christmas shopping, decorating, uh, baking, having family over, the quicker we can get back to those things. I think people feel like the quicker we can move on and put this year, 2020, behind us. Some of the uncertainty and stress may ease in a little more than a week, but the election won't end all of the grief millions of us have suffered. The pandemic and its economic dislocation will continue. And the best thing to do is acknowledge our losses and live one day at a time. Our studio producer is Jason Dickey. I'm Nancy Benson. Radio Health Journal returns in just a moment. The American College of Physicians is celebrating National Internal Medicine Day on Wednesday, October 28th, and is proud to represent internal medicine specialists and subspecialists who make a difference in the lives of their patients every day. Internists are specialists in the diagnosis, treatment, and compassionate care of adults across the spectrum from health to complex illness. ACP President and Internist Dr. Jacqueline Fincher General internists are trained to diagnose complex medical problems such as hypertension or diabetes and manage acute illnesses. Some internists subspecialize in a related area such as cardiology. And in this time of COVID-19, internists are often on the front lines of public health emergencies to provide information, guidance, and care to help people stay well and out of the hospital. Internists are researchers, teachers, and administrators. They're even sometimes called the doctor's doctor, as they're often called upon to consult to other physicians and help solve puzzling issues. Find out more at acponline.org. Multiple sclerosis affects an estimated 1 million adults in the U.S. alone. In multiple sclerosis, the immune system mistakenly attacks the central nervous system, affecting a person's muscle control, balance, vision, sensation, and cognitive function. Though the exact causes are unknown, Epstein-Barr virus, a very common virus which causes mononucleosis, is the only risk factor identified to date that appears to be necessary for the development of MS. An investigational therapy called ATA-188 specifically recognizes Epstein-Barr virus-infected B-cells. It is currently being studied in a clinical trial, which is now seeking participants. If you or someone you know is living with progressive MS and is interested in participating in the ATA-188 clinical trial, please email patientadvocacy at atarabio.com to learn more and find a trial site in your area. That's patientadvocacy at atarabio.com. A message from Greenstone, a Pfizer company. 
Most of us know about generic medications, drugs that work in the same way and provide the same clinical benefit as brand-name medications, often at a lower price. Most generics are made by a different manufacturer than the original brand, but there is also a lesser-known category of generic medications called authorized generics that are made by the same manufacturer of the brand-name drug. Authorized generics, like all generics, meet FDA quality and manufacturing standards. Authorized generics are the same as the brand-name drug and only differ in that they do not have the brand name on their labels and may have a different marking on the medication. In limited cases, they may have a different color. Authorized generics are not new. Greenstone has been supplying authorized generics for over 25 years. Talk to your pharmacist or visit greenstonegenerics.com to learn more and see if they manufacture an authorized generic version of the medication you take. Many women think about mammograms during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. However, despite decades of mammogram screening, breast cancer is still the second leading cause of cancer death in women. Screening mammograms miss about one in five breast cancers, especially in women with dense breasts, according to Beth Badalino, CEO of Healthy Women. Dense breasts consist of a lot of fibrous or glandular tissue and not much fat. Only a mammogram can determine if you have dense breasts. Research shows women with dense breasts can be twice as likely to develop breast cancer as compared to women with non-dense breasts. That's why leading health organizations now recommend certain women with dense breasts have supplemental imaging, such as a breast MRI, which can increase cancer detection. Ask your doctor if additional breast imaging may be right for you. Find out more at HealthyWomen.org. The content is sponsored by Bayer. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Radio Health Journal is a production of MediaTracks Communications. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. We really, truly believe in the healing power of animals. They can heal your body and your soul at the same time. Therapy chickens and horses and llamas. How animals are making themselves at home in nursing homes. Then black lung disease, a relic of the past, right? Unfortunately, no. I've met so many guys with black lung disease, more than I can probably count. All that and more on Radio Health Journal.